Secret Sauce, a podcast about the secret ingredients in artwork and life. I'm your host, Becca Borelli. I'm also an illustrator in Austin, Texas, and this episode is entitled Art Pregnancy. Out the gate, if you are listening to that title, and I'm sure there's a portion of people that immediately their energy is just like, meh. <laughs> The word pregnancy conjures up all kinds of very specific images of human birthing, and that is not what this episode is about. If you cannot carry a human to term, this episode is still for you. In fact, even more for you, possibly. Um, I thought about using other words. I thought about gestation or incubation, but I wanted to use the word pregnancy because it's so specific. We're so used to, as a culture, using that word to describe the birthing of another human, when in reality, pregnancy is wildly applicable to birthing anything, especially art, especially the things that we make in our lives. And I want to talk about that today. I'm going through this wildly extensive period of pregnancy, and it is uncomfortable. (laughs) And I'm like wally frustrated and in many ways unsure of how to hang with this gestation period (laughs) because there's been very little education on how to do that. Our culture does not value inactivity on the outside, right? We are living on a planet that very much values creative action. What are you actively working on right now? And, and artists can relate to this. What are you making that I can see? What are you producing that you can sell, that you can monetize, that has value for other people? What are you, what does your to-do list look like on a daily basis? How are you, how are you producing something? This is highly valuable in a capitalistic market economy like we have on most of the planet. And what has happened is that we have ended up with this entire planet of societies that have tried desperately to compress the creative process into action only. And it's it's been to our detriment. I mean, we are having systemic breakdowns all over the planet as a result of this incredibly unsustainable way of creating not just art, but the world. If you think about endless creativity and apply it to a human pregnancy, you can see the insanity. It would be like going through the labor process and then going through another labor process and then another labor process. Like any woman who's been through the physical labor process will tell you that that's insane. And it would create body breakdown. And it is. It's creating planetary breakdown right now. I really feel like the idea of pregnancy is going to save us. As And people are really waking up to this, by the way, on the planet right now. 
all over are people that are like, whoa, I don't have to be actively doing shit all the time. In fact, when I stop doing stuff out there, all kinds of stuff in here kicks on. And that's pregnancy. That there's tremendous value to inner changing and inner work. And it's really triggering because people can't see it. Like, you can be going through some of the most valuable, precious, luscious inner shifting that you've ever done in your entire life. And nobody sees it. And it can feel triggering. Like, nobody's come up to me and been like, Borelli, remember when you were 27 and you were like unpacking decades of childhood trauma? (laughs) Good fucking job, girl. (laughs) Like, no one does that, right? People come up to me and they're like, that mural that you did in Dell Children's Hospital is freaking amazing. And that feedback loop creates pressure. Like, oh, yeah, like, and it creates pressure to make things out there and forego the things we make inside of ourselves. I want to talk about this. I really have come to believe, and there's other people that talk about this idea in other realms, but artistically it's true as well. Most of the creative process is incubation just like a human pregnancy you know nine months of seemingly nothing going on on the outside everything's going on on the inside and also it's relevant to point out the things going on inside of women when they're pregnant is not something that they're actively having to initiate. The body is doing it for them. Their job is to rest and take care of their their body so that the internal stuff has a smoother go. <laughs> right? It's this it's an 100% identical with an artistic incubation period that we are things are shifting inside of us. And as makers, that's infuriating sometimes because we're wired to want to make things out there. And during periods of artistic pregnancy, the job is to relax and hang out. Oh, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about the maddening capriciousness of trying to hang out when you're wired to make I want to talk about the ways that I've learned to honor and navigate (laughs) these pregnancy periods I want to talk about the ways that they don't have to suck um and often still do suck (laughs) Here's how you know that you might be in a phase of pregnancy, whether it's with something you're making, like a painting or a ceramic piece or a musical composition, or whether it's something that you're making in your life, like a a new relationship, a new job, a new house, 
or if it's something that you're sitting with internally, right? Um, making a new framework for approaching your life. Wow. There's all kinds of ways that we make stuff. And here's one of the ways that you know that you might be pregnant with that thing. Your attempts at making stuff actively suddenly stop working. And often to a laughable degree. So the way that this shows up a lot in like a classroom setting I've noticed with students is they'll say, they'll almost always say the same sort of thing, which is, you know, this is going along really well. And all of a sudden, I just don't want to work on this anymore. I'm like very afraid. They'll, they'll describe a fear like it's not done, but it's pretty great. And I don't, I just don't want to keep going for fear of messing it up. Have you, have you experienced that? I mean, I certainly have and and still do. And one of the things that I've realized as I've unpacked that with myself and also with others in a classroom setting is that when you have fear like that, it's a sign that the next steps of your creation, you're sensing into those steps and you intuitively recognize that those next steps are a little bit beyond what you have in your toolkit. And of course, the knee-jerk reaction is some fear. And then there's just two general responses to that. The first is the type of person that says, "Mm, I I think I'm just going to leave this the way it is. And it's not great, but that's okay. At least I'm not going to mess it up. And then there's the other type of person that's like, no, I, I'm a doer. I'm a mover. I'm a shaker. I might not have the tools for this, but I'm just going to do it anyway. And then there's like the third type of person. So, and I, and they're like the baby bear in the situation. And they're like, yeah, I don't think I, I don't think I want to set this thing aside because it could be really awesome. But also I'm pretty sure that if I try to like going to try going forward with what I have in my arsenal, it's not going to work. And so I guess I'm going to hang out with it for a while. And sometimes what that looks like is shifting. Like, so sometimes makers will work on like six or seven pieces at one time and they'll pick the piece that they know they can move forward on and they'll let the others gestate and the thing that's really cool about letting things gestate is that you don't have to actively do anything remember gestation is it takes care of itself there's other bigger forces we talked about this in the episode of making art with something bigger there's other forces making stuff with you all the time they're doing it for you. You just, your job is to let it marinate. And sometimes pieces will marinate forever. I, one of my best-selling pieces is the goddess drawing and she sat in a drawer for like five years (laughs) before I realized, oh, she's supposed to stay unfinished. She's, it's a half of a woman's face 
I, I did the first half and then I thought I'm too, I'm terrified to do the other half. I'm going to mess it up. I guess I'll just put it over here. And I kind of forgot about it. And like legitimately five years later, I was moving and I was sorting through piles of art and I pulled her out and I, and I immediately was struck with, oh no, she's supposed to be, and half of her is supposed to stay invisible. That idea was something that needed five years of gestation. And I don't understand why, I don't understand how, and it doesn't matter. All that matters is that it needed that time and it got it. And that piece has been sold so many times in print form, so many times in sticker form. It's the idea of the goddess is, is hugely important in my art practice, half in this world, half in another. I think that that type of spaciousness is hugely important in making stuff. And so, so, so many artists will have learned to create spaciousness by working on multiple things at one time. Sometimes artists will, and maybe you've done this too, they'll be like, you know, you know, I'm pretty uncomfortable tackling like 75% of this piece, but like, there's like details up in this corner that are just really seductive to me right now. And so I'm going to flesh those out. I had a fourth grade student once that mastered this and it, it changed my life. Like I was such a young, new teacher. I was probably 25 or 26 when I first met him. And I think I've talked about him on podcasts before, but he was such a great teacher for me because he was for all intents and purposes not artistic uh, on the surface at all and I came to learn that he was profoundly artistic in deeply important ways but on the surface he seemed not artistic at all he was um, very much a jock he was this 10-year-old kid. He played all sports. He loved football the most. He would wear different football jerseys all the time. Um, also a very sweet, gentle kid. And, and, and really didn't, he didn't like drawing and painting and clay. He didn't like it. And he also was completely open to doing it. Like, well, I mean, this isn't really my thing, but I mean, I'll do it that was how he approached art. And so I didn't really think of him as artistic initially. And I remember this one particular week we were working on drawings using foreground, middle ground, and background. And he of course had chosen to draw a football player in the foreground, diving for a ball (laughs) in the middle ground were the other players. And in the background were the fans and the bleachers. And he sketches all of this out in pencil and he is probably, I mean, he's 10 at this point, but he's probably drawing with like, when it comes to representational drawing, his skill level is probably first grade. Like really, he's really struggling and he wants to do this football player that's diving for this football. It's a really challenging position to draw for anybody (laughs) let alone someone that struggles representationally you know at all and like anyone who is 
working through that process, his paper is covered with eraser marks just over and over and over. And I come by and I'm like looking over his shoulder and he's furiously like working on this football player. But in the corner of his paper, I see this like little swatch of football turf and he's taking colored pencils, which is what we're using on these drawings after, you know, everything is mapped out. The kids are going to be coloring these with colored pencils and he has layered maybe 10 different shades of green, yellow, and blue, and some brown to make this like beautiful, vibrant shade with colored pencil. And this is like pretty advanced stuff. Like I haven't showed kids how to layer colored pencil. Like that's something that I teach to older kids, uh, to adults. <laughs> and he's doing it on his own. And I, I, can't resist telling him I say that's amazing like this is your thing did you enjoy doing that and he said yeah but you know I gotta finish this first Miss Borelli and I said do you though I said maybe you just work with the color for right now and see what happens oh it was it was beautiful this kid it was like setting him free you just feel like 20 pounds of weight come off his chest and he's like really and he starts layering these colors upon colors and he's working in the the grass and in the sky and and then eventually without having to grunt and grit his way through it he warms up into a space where he feels ready and he takes that pencil back and he takes his photograph back and he goes back and does he draw a freaking Michelangelo of a football player no no way (laughs) does he draw something that is beyond what he expected yeah and he's so happy with it and the thing that was really special about this whole process is that he was very comfortable sharing this experience with his peers and so the kids in the class were getting to see in real time what does it look like to let go of the areas you're not ready for and to plunge into the areas that you're really good at and really ready for and let this other stuff gestate you know and I'm not I I didn't talk to fourth graders about gestation y'all it's just implied right the Letting something sit and be is something children are actually way more comfortable with than adults. Like, I didn't have to suggest this to him more than once. He was really on board with this idea. It only becomes challenging after years of indoctrination to ignore that natural tendency to produce, 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 and and to produce in a linear way that we think things should happen. Yeah. So those are some of the ways I've seen people manage gestation actively, but sometimes, sometimes you have to keep going with something that sucks. And that is really interesting. And when I say interesting, I mean shitty. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs>
If you have ever been working on something creatively that was out of your hands that someone else was going to rely upon, you might know what I'm talking about. Um, One of the first examples that comes to my mind when I think about working through a gestation phase and not being able to set part of it aside (laughs) is when I was thesis writing in grad school, right? I had a deadline. Um, And sometimes this stuff doesn't have to have deadlines. Sometimes I think about it with my son, right? There are days where I deeply need gestation. I deeply need to sit in the quiet and let something simmer. And there's no way that a one-year-old's going to let that happen, right? Life, do- life forces us into these positions where we recognize that we're pregnant with something and, we, and we're not able to set it aside. That's, I think, the hardest gestation of all. And it's one of the things that I think could completely shift the planet <laughs> if everybody was on board with supporting pregnancy periods for everyone and not just literal pregnancies but but figurative ones too oh man the world would change overnight imagine if you were able to quietly nurture yourself during any gestation that you were in i mean wow imagine if our companies on the planet were able to do that and not have to worry about shareholders and their profits. Oh my goodness, our decision-making would just be insanely better. That's not what we have though. What we have is a production line and sometimes we end up pregnant with something and we're on this line that's moving, whether we move or not. <laughs> so when I was thesis writing at UT, I quickly realized that I was... <laughs> Here's what happened. I'm laughing because I had I just like thought of something as I'm recording this. So here's what happened. I started writing my thesis and... I quickly realized that the idea that I had for my thesis was too big for me. And this, I suspect everyone here has brushed up against this in some form in their life, whether it's with physical art making or not. Um, Ira Glass, who is the host of the podcast, This American Life, did an amazing interview about this topic. And someone took a chunk of the interview and turned it into a YouTube video called The Gap. And you can Google it. Just Google The Gap by Ira Glass. It's really short. And he talks about what is it like when you can see where what you could make and you, ha- and you ha- don't have the ability. He said that's a gap. It's a gap between where you are and where you know you could be. And that's what happened to me. <laughs> during thesis writing I had this idea honestly that is now the foundation of this podcast (laughs) only I had it 12 years ago and I wasn't ready for it but I wanted it I wanted it so bad and I remember I wanted it so bad (laughs) 
that I actually had like a mini breakdown in my thesis meeting. I'll I'll never forget. I was meeting with my thesis. So I I don't know how all universities set things up, but in, at the university of Texas, I had a thesis chair who was chairing, um, my thesis. And then there was the reader who would just read over my drafts and edit things. And they both had set up a meeting with me where I was basically formally pitching my thesis idea. And I, I mean, y'all, I ugly cried in front of them. <laughs> and they handled it like pros. I mean, they, they both told me, oh no, we've seen so much of this, but I'm fairly certain they were being nice. Like I'm, I was pretty borderline out of control crying. And I didn't totally know why. I remember the thesis chair who also happened to be the head of the department and he retired a few years later. This amazing, wise, lovely man hands me one of his handkerchiefs, right? He, he's old enough to carry handkerchiefs. <laughs> and at the end of the meeting, I try to give it back to him and he's like, mm, you can keep it. <laughs> so soggy. And... I did keep it. I, I kept it in this like little box I have of treasures because it's emblematic of something that I couldn't understand at the time, which was what it feels like to see what you're capable of and see the gestation period ahead of you. And a lot of times, I would say, of the time people are like, screw that. I'm going to make it happen now. (laughs) And just like, just like the pregnancy with a human baby, it doesn't work. You can't rush it. And I was trying to rush it and I had a breakdown over it. And I want to talk about the role that breakdowns have in the artistic process because generally I think breakdowns are viewed as at the very best they're viewed as like resets you know when you listen to inspirational speakers talk about breakdowns they'll often say well this it was like me I was like on the wrong path and then the breakdown happened and then I got on the right path and and I'm very very much generalizing here but that is for better, for worse, how breakdowns are often talked about. And that absolutely is true, by the way. But also, in addition to that, is this very artistic and creative function that breakdowns have. And I want to share that because I think when we understand the creative capacity of a breakdown, there's a lot less shame. I mean, there's so much shame attached to breakdowns, even when we know that they're helpful, you know, and we love talking about breakdowns in hindsight, like, oh, this, you know, I was at rock bottom, but like, look where I am now. We love talking about breakdowns from that vantage point. But when we're in the middle of one, there's so much shame and recognizing that you're also in an artistic process can remove a lot of that shame. At least it has for me. And so, so let's, so here's, so here's some stories about that. (laughs) Let's just, let's just dive in there. 
so I have been in the middle of a pregnancy phase in my life and it's been interesting because I just finished a literal pregnancy phase Uh, our son was born in August of 2021 he's 15 months old it was the first time I've ever gone through that process and it was interesting because so much of that period reminded me of what it's like to sit artistically with that process when I'm making art and one of the ways when I was thinking about okay if I do a podcast about this like what's a good example and the first one I thought of was when I was a sign painter at Trader Joe's after grad school you know I write this thesis on art education it's like barely a sliver of what I wanted it to be I take a substitute teaching position in Austin ISD while I contemplate getting my teaching license in Texas. And then my my friend Paula moves to Austin to open the first Trader Joe's. And she's been painting signs with Trader Joe's for a long time. And she's one of my art heroes. And she's like, hey, they're looking for other sign painters. Like, I'd be happy to put in a good word for you. And I immediately had this sort of simultaneous two feelings at the exact same time the first was are you freaking kidding me yeah making a paycheck to make art I'd never done anything like that before the closest I had come was being an art teacher and that felt luxurious and exciting and then at the exact same moment I had the thought of oh my god I'm not I'm not gonna be good like I'm I'm gonna be terrible at this and and I for better for worse have this thing in me that makes me want to do things when I'm afraid of them even though I'll get like really gnarly and ugly (laughs) in the process of it so and 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 it totally played out that way so I tell Polly yeah 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 like put put my name in I submit a resume they hire me and a really great Hallmark movie story would be that I came in and I conquered my fears and I made beautiful art. The reality was I came in and I basically failed the entire time I was there. And the other sign painters will tell you no, you know, that failure is probably way too harsh of a word. But I was objectively the worst sign painter on the team and not by a little bit, like by a lot. There, In fact, there were there were crew on the team that were not artistic that didn't identify as artists that would have definitely been better at painting signs than me and sitting with that on a daily basis was interesting and i (laughs) as i was getting ready to record this podcast it popped in my head to share this specific experience with you. And I realized, oh, this is what it's like to gestate with something. So so this one particular day, I'd probably been working there a few months and had been sitting with the discomfort of being really not good at this thing. And, and they all knew that. All of them knew that. Um, and all of them were fine with that. And they'd hired me knowing that. And 
I I personally was not okay with it. By three to four months in, I thought I was going to be in a better position and I was still really struggling. And to struggle internally is one thing, but when you struggle and the struggle is public, right? Like, and then I got I have to go hang that struggle out into a crowded grocery store next to other people's work. That's so beautiful. It was very hard on my ego. I'd, I'd never been the worst at art ever in my life. And so I thought I was going to be in a better place three or four months in. I wasn't. And all of that pressure manifested on this one day where I was drawing a chalkboard uh, for an end cap. And I don't know about other stores, but I suspect other Trader Joe's have a similar hierarchy. Like when you start off as a sign painter, they really have you get your feet wet with the small stuff. So the price tags over and over and over, and you get really good at numbers and writing things in a very legible, neat way and a tiny format. And then eventually, as you get stronger and stronger, they'll give you opportunities to do these larger chalkboards that go in the end caps of aisles. And when they first let me do an end cap board, I was thrilled and terrified like I felt like this was a chance to prove myself and I put a tremendous amount of stock into this chalkboard and on this particular day and I don't know if this was the first end cap I did probably not but it was definitely one of the first I was doing a chalkboard for I'll never forget it was for black beans and corn chips and it wasn't working and we this particular store would use acrylic paint markers that were um, washable so you know you would do an end cap and then it would be up for a little while and then you would spray it with this like degreasing spray and scrub it off and you had a fresh chalkboard to design all over again and so it also meant that if you were unhappy with the design you could start over multiple times and on this particular day you know we had a full queue of art to do and i <laughs> after about two hours, I've like scrubbed out this board like three times. And the captain of the store, the captain of the store, which is the Trader Joe's lingo for a general manager, he comes back and he's now seen me erase this board like three times. And he leans over my shoulder and he, he says the perfect thing. I don't know if he meant it to be perfect, but it was perfect. He said, Borelli, it's beans and chips just do it. And, and I got it like baked under that, that simple sentence was, Hey, this is not a Van Gogh right now, right? This isn't your soul expressing itself artistically. This is beans and chips. That's marketing to people. And they are not going to look at this for like more than two seconds. So just do it. It's totally fine. And that was the first time and it, I mean, it took it took much longer after this, but that was the first time that I started to really wrap my head around the difference between making something as a job and making something from your soul. And they're very different. And I only knew how to do the latter. Prior to working at Trader Joe's, I made everything from my heart. And this captain comes back and he's like, oh my God, Borelli's putting her heart into beans and corn chips. No, stop. Don't do it. And I, it, it took practice, 
but I began to to work through this shift that what was happening during this time at Trader Joe's was that I was gestating something. I was incubating something. I was pregnant with something. And what I was pregnant with was, was, was this totally new approach for me to making stuff. And there's a lot of working artists that are very familiar with this. Um, one of my favorite designers and artists named Travis, he's out of Asheville, uh, North Carolina. And he is, he was a sign painter at Trader Joe's for a long time. And he took the skills that he learned there and he applied them to his own business. And he's very, very objective. Like he, he absolutely puts his heart and soul into things, but when he makes decisions, it's very obviously business. Like this design based on these other designs is probably going to sell really well. So I'm going to do this. And here's step one, two, and three, boom, done. And I, I was very, very unfamiliar with viewing art that way. Prior to working at Trader Joe's, art was healing for me. I used art as a way to regulate my nervous system. <laughs> and taking that approach into a commercial environment was very, very challenging. And I didn't know that I was pregnant with that. I didn't know that there was gestation going on. And so I was sitting down every day in the back room of the store and I was like, why do I have to keep sitting with this? Why am I not getting better? Why am I sucking at this? And it's because, and, and this is how you know you're pregnant with something. When you keep showing up and nothing is changing on the outside. <laughs> it's because so much is going on on the inside. And it's going on on the inside on the timeline that it needs, not the timeline you need. And this can be really, really hard depending on the pregnancy period, depending on the amount of love that you are throwing into this thing. Um, I have talked to friends who have started working for themselves and they show up every day for years and they're like, why isn't this happening for me? And it's because I, I believe just, just throwing this out there because this is through my lens of understanding and it could not be the case for you, or it could be. So take what resonates with you and leave the rest. But if you've been showing up every day and seemingly nothing is changing on the outside, it's because you've been pregnant with something on the inside. And the thing that you're growing is gigantic. And it needs a long pregnancy phase. And in some ways, this can be comforting, right? Because when it's time to pop, holy mother of God, everyone watch out. And depending on the size, you could be pregnant with that thing for a long time. There are things that I started gestating in my teens that are just now showing up. That's, that's big stuff that our culture does not talk about. And 
Some of the most beautiful, important creations never get made because we don't talk about the pregnancy periods that some of them require. And so there's, you know, massive cultures, whole societies of people that are like, oh, I, I'm just not fucking cut out for this. <laughs> and they quit when in reality they're gestating and they're gestating something really, really big. Um, so, so I, so that's an example of, of being pregnant, I guess, in my artistic life. But the thing that's really interesting is now having sort of unpacked the way that that process works artistically, I am starting to really nosh on the way that this thing is playing out in my lived experience day to day. And it's, you know, if I'm being honest, I've definitely been through the ringer. And what I realized is that one of the reasons why it can feel like pregnancy can feel very exhausting is because (laughs) oftentimes when we're pregnant with something and we don't know it, we're trying to take things with us that aren't meant to go. A good example of this, and maybe this is a little rough around the edges, but work with me here. So if you're pregnant with a human, and we all either have been pregnant with a human or know someone that has been. This isn't a process all of us are familiar with, whether we've been through it directly or not. If when you get pregnant or when someone you know gets pregnant, there's certain things that those people immediately start doing and stop doing in order to make the pregnancy period smoother. And, but if you don't know you're pregnant and you keep going about business as usual, immediately the body is going to revolt, right? Like if you don't know you're pregnant and you keep, and you're a marathon runner and you keep trying to do 15 milers, your body's like, and, and I know there's some people thinking, I I mean, Hey, I know pregnant people that have run up to the very moment they delivered, Right but they knew they were pregnant. If you don't know and you keep pushing in the old way, nobody who's pregnant can do things in the old way. Everything has to be changed. Things have to shift during a pregnancy phase. But if you don't know you're pregnant and you keep trying to make things the old way, there will be blowback. And this, and I I recognize this at Trader Joe's eventually, and I started recognizing this in my artistic life, but it's only been really recently that I realized this happens in our day-to-day life as well. (laughs) And so I wanted to wrap up with this story because I really, I really feel like this is an important idea. And, And before I get like too macro about it, let's just Let's just go there. So, so I have been 
like when I was at Trader Joe's, right? When I was at Trader Joe's, I had all of the tools to be a good artist, first of all. I had been drawing all of my life. I had two degrees in art education, so I had this plethora of experience teaching other people design and drawing and painting. And also, I had really good experience with a, a wide variety of art materials. I had all of the tools. I came in and it didn't matter because I was incubating something and that is where I think pregnancy periods get really crunchy for people. I mean, it gets crunchy for people in lots of ways, but one of the ways is I should be able to do this. What is going on? So that happens in life too. And it's happening for me at the moment where I am having, I, you know, (laughs) I'm like thinking, how can I tell this story in a short way? Maybe I, maybe I don't know how, but I will say, so when Brayden was born, um, he immediately started having some health challenges that he inherited from me. And, you know, I'm like hesitant to even call them health challenges because that instantly conjures up like pictures of like going to the doctor all the time or going to the hospital. It's nothing like that. He's actually a really happy, sweet, smart, cool dude, right? But, but he has some things going on. And immediately when we became aware of them and that they, he had inherited them from me, I thought, you know what? I got this. I have all the tools in my toolkit to deal with this because I've reversed all of the health problems he has holistically over the last decade. I, I've learned so much. I've read so much. Like, we've got this. And, and then systematically, every single thing that I've applied to myself that worked for me, that worked really well in the past, wasn't working it wasn't working. It wasn't working. And I kept showing up. I kept showing up every day. And I was like, no, like, it's cool. Like, this is going to figure itself out. I just keep staying the course. I just keep doing my best. And his health problems kept getting worse and kept getting worse and kept getting worse. And just like at Trader Joe's three months in, I'm thinking, what the fuck? Why is this not working? And it's one thing when it's a black bean sign, y'all, when it's your child it's a whole nother level of crazy. I thought, I don't, I don't know if I have it in me. Like, I don't know if I have it in me to watch this. Like this, it felt terribly unfair. I feel like those of you that have engaged in the creation of something around which you're deeply attached to, like more than a black bean and corn chip board can understand the pain I'm talking about of showing up and at first trying to be very expansive and open and and then slowly as things don't work and don't work and don't work, you contract more and more and more because you're scared. And this is 100% what was happening over here. <laughs> and so I start to realize as I begin to reflect on what's happening that there is a gestation at play, that, that there is an idea 
that has worked for me creatively up until now that is not going to work anymore as a mother. And every time, and it's like an idea that's like deeply embedded under all of the things I've been trying. And I, I kind of see that this is going on and I have no idea what it is. And so I just, it's business as usual, right? Like over the last 15 months, I have been for all intents and purposes, banging my head against the same spot and the same wall and truly starting to wonder, (laughs) you know, like you would think that I'd be like, "Mm, not this wall, not this head, but no, like, um, sometimes when you are working with something that is really creatively important, not just to you, but to the world. Um, Letting go of the old tools is just way too terrifying. Letting go of active creation is way too terrifying. Like I started getting guidance to let things with braiding go a long time ago and I had no idea how to do that. This is my kid and he's struggling and how in the world am I supposed to do that? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to keep running marathons at full sprint as a pregnant person, right? Like that's what I was doing. And one of the interesting things, and this is where breakdown comes in, is if you're pregnant with something and you are resisting the rest and the incubation necessary for this new thing to be created. When you resist it long enough, there is something bigger than you. And we've, and we talked about this in a podcast episode a few weeks back entitled making art with something bigger, which you can listen to if you haven't listened to it. There is, there are forces that are with you and they will let, they'll, they'll like give you all the free reign you want, but eventually you'll run up against the confines of what is (laughs) just, and we're, and we're incidentally, we're doing this on the planet right now. This work, 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 create, create, create all the time is not sustainable and we are seeing systemic breakdowns happen because that process butts up against what is (laughs) you know so so here's how this played out for me I and I just I feel like I want to share it because I'm curious if this will be helpful to you because I'm certain everyone here has had a version of this happen So for the past year and a half, I've done what I just described to you, just working, working, working to figure this out, active creation, active creation, active creation. And, and then a couple weeks ago, I wake up one morning and it was kind of like everything that had been happening sort of lined up in what felt like this really perfectly awful way. So it was really raining in Austin, which was norm- like normally something that people love because it doesn't rain here a lot. Um, but on this particular day, 
Um, all of us in the house, Brayden, myself, and the two dogs that we have really needed that morning hike, right? That morning hike is a reset for everybody. And on this day, we couldn't do it. So Brayden and the dogs are just crazy off the wall. I'm exhausted because at the moment I've been weaning Brayden. And so my hormones are just all up and down, up and down, up and down. And, and then on top of this, like, like the third sort of layer on this cake of insanity is that Braden gets RSV, which thankfully his immune system tackles like a champ. But the first night he had it, he was incredibly congested and he was scared. And so every night since our sweet, amazing, confident, calm sleeper is now terrified. And he wakes up every couple of hours wailing for comfort. And so on top of the hormones, on top of this bad weather, I'm also very sleep deprived. So, so we kind of like muck through the morning. Braden goes down for a nap and as he's sleeping, the sun comes out and I think, you know what? We need to do this hike. And it was immediately I could feel my body do this thing where it's like, you're dealing with a ton right now. Do you really need to be like going out there and hiking on top of all of this? Right. It's like when your body just really needs rest because it's pregnant and it's processing so much sometimes the worst thing you can do is just like force yourself to create and I was like no 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 like I'm a mom I'm a mom for these dogs and I'm a mom for this baby and they need a hike so I <laughs> Brayden gets up from his nap I put everyone in the car and I'm in a poisonously toxic mood and I'm just thinking I'll, all we got to do is get there and I'll hike it off as we get closer to the park and and the thing was too is that I pick a park I never go to and it's farther away from the house like what like I and as I'm driving over there I'm just getting all of these no don't go I get over to the 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 intersection before turning into the park and it's this very busy intersection in Austin and as I'm driving through it I see a dog in one of the turn lanes like in the center of this intersection it's the beginning of rush hour at this point he's dragging a leash so he clearly belongs to somebody but but he's just like strolling through rush hour traffic and i think no way and i do a quick like 360 around the intersection nobody's stopping nobody seems you know so i'm and i and i know like i've already been getting so many slow down messages at this point not just in my day but in the past year and I'm full on create, 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 solve, 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 right? This is the space that I've been in for a long time. And I absolutely bring that energy to this incident too. And I think no freaking way is this dog going to be left on my watch. So I do a U-turn in the middle of this crazy traffic and nothing about getting to the dog was easy and this is 
one of the ways that you know that you're forcing creativity during a pregnancy phase is everything gets hard like things that are supposed to be simple like like it, when you're when you're doing something good and altruistic like helping a dog if you're in alignment with with the artwork right in this case the artwork is the day this moment in time when you're in alignment it's supposed to be easy when you're not in alignment everything is hard and so it t- I can't even get to this dog I'm like having to turn around at a gas station and then he like runs in the wrong side of the street and I have a toddler in the back seat with two dogs what am I even thinking but at this point now I'm committed I'm stubborn I'm gonna freaking make this shit happen and this is just like the Trader Joe's sign right like I I just needed to do beans and chips and be done with it, right? But I've been for a year now grinding this 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 mentality out. No, I'm going to do life this way with these tools. Like this has worked for me before and freaking I know it hasn't been working for the past 15 months, but dang it, I am going to throw all of my creative energy into life with this baby. And and all of the, those tools worked when I was a business owner. They have not been working the past year. So I'm not thinking about any of this, right, y'all? I'm just trying to save a dog. I finally pull off to the side of this road. He's standing in this tree lawn. For those of you not from the Midwest, it's like the grassy knoll between the sidewalk and the street. And he's big. He's probably 90 pounds I don't get the sense that he's going to bite me, but I do get the sense that he's very scared and he's certainly not going to let a stranger pick up his leash. So I put my foot, he has like a leash and has a carabiner on the end. And I put my foot on it to use my body weight to hold him. And he immediately is like, oh, hell no. And he starts barking like very, he's very scared. And I, I think, okay, I need to, I needed to call animal control and I'll just chill until they get here. And then I reach down and I don't have my phone. Not only do I not have my phone on my person, I don't have it at all. It's at home. And I, so everything about this is, is all of my tools aren't working, right? Like this is the classic signs, like that I'm forcing something. I've been trying to force something not just with this dog, but with my life for a really long time. And I don't take the hint, right? Like I, I'm, I'm committed. I'm stubborn. And I reach down to, to take his leash. And I think I'm just going to cross the street. I'll put how like a time up to one of the poles at the gas station. And I'll have one of the gas station people call animal control. But the minute I put his leash in my hand, he, loses it. He's 90 pounds. He lurches. I, I completely get knocked off my feet and in complete terror, he does the first thing, which is to run in the opposite direction of me, which is into the street. And he gets clocked by an SUV that can't see him coming because he darts out from the front of my car. And it, I, it was a breakdown. 
this was a breakdown, not just with the experience of trying to help this dog. This was a breakdown in all in this mentality that has been going on for a very long time. This creative mentality that I have been digging my heels in for a really long time. I, I mean, knowing that some really sensitive folks are listening to this story, I don't want to like go into like gnarly details about this. It was not pleasant. Um, he was, he was hit hard enough that I freaking screamed, (laughs) but he was not hit hard enough to incapacitate him. He kept running. And the thing that was so crazy was that, you know, this happened in a very busy intersection, the car that hit him and, and, and any car in the vicinity, nobody stopped. I was snapped out of like the, the mental space I was in was completely shattered and I broke down like, and I don't, I used to like break down often when I was younger. I don't do that anymore, but I was sobbing. I like got into the car. I'm trying to hold it together because I know that my child will feel that and will freak out. And the dogs, of course, I drive across the street to the gas station because he's run through the gas station parking lot and he, and I see this homeless man sitting by the side and he, he points and he says he ran down there and behind the gas station is the beginning of the green belt where the park is. And I just think there's no way, like I can't, I can't go after him. So I I go into the gas station and I'm still kind of in this stubborn creative space, right? Everything has been telling me to surrender and I haven't been. And I I go into this gas station and I'm like talking to the, the attendant and he speaks zero English and he calls out someone and they speak zero English. And so then I go out into the parking lot and y'all, every single person in the parking lot did not speak English. Now this is a very Mexican neighborhood in Austin, but the fact that in this particular space and time, not one person could communicate with me. It was just like, okay, I get it. Like there was, what was I going to do? There was no choice but to walk away. And it wasn't like I was just walking away from this situation with a dog. It was like, I have been trying to force things in my life for over a year. It felt like I was walking away from everything. Like it was an incredibly big breakdown. And this is where breakdowns get artistic, right? Like this was making art with something bigger. And that bigger thing was like, it was like my captain in the store being like, whoa, (laughs) whoa, 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 beans and corn chips, Brelly. You're, you're like really, really on the wrong vein here. There is something wildly different gestating with you and you are trying to force all of this other stuff. So I drive home and I just unload on Jason. He's amazing. Jason's amazing. Those of you that know him. He scoops up Brayden. At this point, his workday is over. I call animal control and I talk to this lovely woman on the phone and she says, hey, look, we're going to send someone over there. But honestly, just so you know, like if he ran off, he's probably fine, albeit in pain. 
she said, but if he had a leash on him, he's going to, like, he's going to be fine. Like, someone is going to find him. Like, but she said, we will go over there. She said, if you are concerned, I would recommend you going over there too. So I, (laughs) so I leave Brayden and Jason and Jason's kind of like, at this point, he's kind of like, he sees the writing on the wall, right? And my husband has always been better at surrendering to what is. He's much more comfortable with being pregnant with things than me. And he was, and I, and, and I don't think he viewed it that way. Like I, if, if you were to ask him now, did he view it in the words that I just used? He would say no. Like, but, but generally speaking, Jason's very comfortable with listening to the rhythms of life and yielding to them. And yielding is a huge part of being pregnant with something. When we're making something and it's not working, it's a sign that we're pregnant. And being pregnant is all about yielding and letting the other forces create for you. And I wasn't ready to do that, so I hop into my car and I drive back over to the gas station. And and the sun has now set. It's dusk. I And I happen to see the same man that's homeless. And he... It occurs to me when I see him, maybe he's not homeless. He's dressed in really nice clothes. He has a backpack on, but, you know, that's, like, fine. Um, But he's sitting in the same place that he was, like, three hours earlier. And and he's very friendly and doesn't have the, like, energy of someone that lives on the streets. And, you know, I, I don't even like using the word homeless, but I still am, like, educating myself out of it, so just this is me acknowledging that (laughs) in the middle of a podcast episode that I'm not going to re-record and so he sees me and and there's this like loving warmth coming from him and he says oh yeah I remember you he said have you found the dog and I said no and he said I'm really sorry you lost your dog and I said oh no it's not my dog and I said he was actually hit by a car in front of me and I really wanted to find him because I'm afraid he's hurt and he puts his hand on his heart and his face kind of scrunches up and he's like, oh, I, girl, I get that. And it was, it was the most like, like as I'm telling you this, my eyes are getting hot. It was absolutely something bigger speaking through him to me. And he, he wouldn't view it that way, but it was the most perfect because in that moment he he saw me and it wasn't like he was faking it like he really was I could tell like whatever his life experiences were leading up to this point he could feel exactly how I was feeling and he saw me and he was sharing it with me and he said hey you know what he said there's a trail it goes down there he goes you can definitely walk along and see if you can find him he said um, but you know, it's getting dark. He said, so just be careful. So I walk down and as I'm walking down, I hear him start to talk to someone else. And it's also someone living on the streets of someone else. And he has a bicycle and he's carrying quite a bit of stuff on his back. And as I begin to walk along the edge of this green belt, this, this man with the bicycle follows me and I can feel this sweet, energy and as he gets closer he definitely looks like 
he's been living outside for a decent amount of time. But his eyes are incredibly kind. And he says, yeah, I heard you're looking for this dog. And I said, yeah. And, and he said, well, I'm going to look for you and we'll find him. And then he leaves and and he goes down into the trees and I hear him whistling with this bike, dragging this bike along with him. And I look for a little bit longer, but it's dark. And and y'all, all along this edge of the green belt are the evidence of camps, right? People living outside. Nobody's in them that I can see, but it's clear that there are people that are in them at nighttime or other times during the day. And I get to this bridge and I see under the bridge, there's this huge camp. And I just think, you know, I if the dog was down here, they would have seen him, you know? So I, I begin to leave, and as I begin to leave, I see the man from the gas station walking under the bridge, and I, and I, and I think, oh man, he is, like, he, he's down there, and as I walk back to my car, I hear, I start to hear the sounds of whistling, and people are coming out from under the bridge whistling for this dog, and I just... It was the biggest exhale. It was It was like that moment at Trader Joe's. You don't have to do it this old way. There's this other way. This way of surrender that is way more conducive for this new phase of your life. And it involves letting other people in and relaxing into what is. And yeah. I mean, that's pretty recent, y'all. Am I am, am I even like do I have like some shiny like bow to gift wrap this story for you? Absolutely not. I am still really gnashing on this idea. And it's made me realize that we have pregnant periods in our lives all the time. And to the extent that we can honor them, those periods become highly productive without any effort on our own. Without any effort, with very little effort, there were like 20 people who live outside looking for that dog in the green belt that night I mean I don't know if it was 20 but it was a lot (laughs) you know that it feels like and I'm just guessing right now by the way I'm just guessing but I have a deep suspicion that what I've been pregnant with the past year has been this different way of creating with my life and that is one of surrender and oh so freaking hard for me I and this isn't like the Cinderella story where I like ride off into the sunset happily ever after like it's gonna take me another like five years to like manifest this difference in creative approach for sure but just like trying to make soul art in Trader Joe's was insane. (laughs) So was trying to be a parent 
with the tools I had as a business owner, right? Which was just like grind, 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 grind. And I've been pregnant with this thing for a year, a little over a year. And this breakdown with the dog, it was like the final last bit of gestation had happened and pop, right? This new thing kind of sprung forth in my consciousness and it hurt. Oh my gosh. I I told Jason later, what if I had just listened and surrendered and left the dog there? Would he have probably not been hit at all? I'm very likely, yeah, very likely... He was an intuitive creature and everyone who's driving are relatively intuitive drivers and it probably would have been fine, but I interjected some force that scared him and, and things went south and that the pain of that was like the, it was the thing that allowed me to birth finally (laughs) this new this new artwork in this case the artwork was a different way of viewing the world right like that the art that we make the things that we create aren't always a painting or a clay pot you know am i saying that the universe put this dog in my path to be hit by a car to teach me this lesson that is not what i'm saying there are so many people. I feel like there are so many people that hear sort of more esoteric, spiritual, abstract stories like this, and then they like strip it of all of its nuance and, and are left with this like really gross interpretation. As that is not what I'm saying. That that that's a very inhumane universe, first of all. Um I don't think things work like that. I just think there is there we are we are constantly co-creating with this larger planet and with this these larger forces that we can't possibly understand all the time and to the extent that we align with those forces we can have ease or we can have crunchiness and in that particular moment this dog's path and mine collided figuratively and literally i i'm not sure what happened to this dog i ended up um, finding out that animal control went out and could not find him and it is my hope that he is with his owner Later on, my aunt told me this sweet story that her golden retriever years ago, when I was a little girl, had escaped from their house. And when they finally, they got a, they got a call from animal control eventually that he had been found and he had clearly been hit by a car and also was okay, you know? So I hope that's what happened. I, I, and I don't know, and I never will know. And one of the ways that I can honor that experience is to really treat it with the reverence it deserves, which is 
a modality of getting my attention. And it certainly did. This is the the creative gift of breakdown is being a painful pop. <laughs> the the painful first labor push <laughs> of this new thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um as women who have gone through the physical human labor process will tell you um to the extent that you can give yourself over to the process is also often to the extent that that process will go smoothly and to the extent that you fight it and are afraid of it is to the extent that sometimes complications arise and does that mean that it's women's fault the way that their pregnancy turns out no i don't think so at all but i think that when we recognize that a huge part of the creative process is not active but is surrender and letting something else be creative inside of us oh man that's a recipe for ease it really truly is um anyway that is my story and i'm sticking to it i am curious what you think of this i love that you all send messages um after these podcast episodes because i have not made contacting me terribly easy um the secret sauce instagram hasn't been updated since 2021 i think at some point i'm going to start posting episodes there again but for right now Episodes arrive to newsletter subscribers at BeccaJBorelli.com as well as podcast subscribers, which um, you can subscribe um, on whatever platform you're listening right now, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, etc. Um, if you are enjoying episodes from Secret Sauce, consider sharing it with people that you think would be interested because that is the only, not, not the number one, the only modality of this podcast going out into the world right now. I am recording episodes without any energy towards marketing or sharing because there is none. Um, there's only time to record <laughs> at the moment. So when you share, it is really profoundly helpful. Thank you. If you do ever feel like contacting me directly about an episode, you can email me at BeccaJBorelli at gmail.com. My last name is B-O-R-R-E-L-L-I. Two R's, two L's, always. (laughs) Until next time, friends.